On this week's episode, we are talking to Maeve Dennehy. You might know Maeve from her Instagram account. You might know her from her beautiful boutique Love Cherish in North Cork in Charleville or from her clothing range, Oh Molly. Maeve has kindly decided this week to talk to us about her IVF journey and about the loss of her sister and her mum. Obviously, this is quite a sensitive subject, so you might choose not to listen to this episode or to listen at another time. Welcome to the Mum Mind podcast, or how to stop your mother falling out of your mouth. I'm Steph McSherry. I'm a mum of two and a preschool specialist. Hello, I'm Bethan, psychotherapist, mum of three, and we have a guest with us today. We do. We have the lovely Maeve Dennehy. Morning. Morning. How are you? We're good, thank you. Thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Maeve, I wanted to uh, bring you kind of back to... um, I guess from the outside looking in, it feels like you had a lot of stuff happen in a really short space of time. So you have your beautiful shop, Love Cherish, in Charleville, North Cork, and you have a husband and you have two small children, and you also went through a lot of loss in a short space of time. Did all of this happen around the same time? No, I suppose I opened the shop in 2012 with my sister. Okay. Um, Karen was, I was... What was I? I was 33, Karen was 39. Um, but she had had cancer previously and within six months of the shop opening, the cancer came back quite aggressively in her brain and she passed away. Okay. So that was very immediate in the shop. Yeah. I suppose, you know, when you have a new business, you know yourself. And then it was four years after that that we started doing IVF. Um, we decided, you know, when you're not, all of a sudden you realise, actually, we're not pregnant. Hadn't been massively trying, but realized things weren't working and um we went about doing IVF and um were told that we would have a lot of issues and I went through one round of IVF and on the day of transfer I was called to go to the clinic and when we went up there when I arrived in they told me that it was gone they couldn't transfer it oh they told me it actually hadn't happened before so they couldn't really explain what had happened in that we had had a lot of um, embryos fertilized and things were looking really, really good. Yeah. So we left and they basically rang us and said that we had genetic issues. Okay. Um, we needed to meet a genetic counselor. There was a four year wait list. Long story short, they advised us to get where all this is coming from. But anyway, they That's advised okay. against going again. Basically, they basically sat with us and said they hadn't come across it before. The, you know, the chances weren't in our favor. Um, we could end up with a severely disabled child and we kind of had to argue with the clinic and say well you know it's our decision as a couple what we want to do and if we're willing to take on the risk is it not our decision and in the end um, by signing a legal document that we were willing to take that risk we were allowed to go through another IVF process. Wow and like that's mad because most of us don't know yeah you, you know you fall pregnant you've no idea what's going on and we yeah. don't have to sign a like, legal document. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You know, That's mad. And you just do it. And then it's years later, you go, that was actually crazy when I look back on it. Yeah. That's because there's a lot of pressure on you too. And yeah. you know at the time we didn't feel it though. Yeah, like we went off traveling in between the two treatments for a month around Vietnam. And we just really focused on it, still having a good relationship. Do you Brilliant. know? Yeah. And um, we came back from traveling. We went through IVF again and... 
you know, I was like, I'll have an amniocentesis to make sure everything is okay. And then you know yourselves, you're pregnant and you're in love with the baby and that's it. I was like, I'm having no tests, nothing. I'm having this baby. I'm very blessed to be able to. So I did. And I had a gorgeous little boy, Ned, in 2017. It was just brilliant. And it was, it was happiness in the family again. Yes, lovely. Lovely for everyone. Yeah, it was. There's nothing. And that was the first grandchild on both sides, actually. Yeah. And they're, they're always a special one. The they first are. grandchild all around. They get thoroughly spoiled. He is ruined. He really is. <laughs> <laughs> so so that was 2017. That was 2017. Um, it was November 2017. October 2017. Sorry. And I... It's okay. He's not listening. Can <laughs> <laughs> you get the dates wrong? Is there anything worse? <gasps> And so it was a fantastic time in our lives. Like, like you know, my mom and dad were happy. You know, they'd lost their daughter. They have, um, I have a brother as well. But they, you know, it just brought joy back into everybody's lives. It was a great time. Uh, the shop was open. It was doing well. We were a couple of years open. Life was really good. And I had an event, a big, massive event for Marymount uh, to fundraise with 600 women. Uh, Ned was four months old. My mom was at it. Life was really good. And then out of nowhere, I was driving up to my parents' house one day and my dad rang and said, will you call an ambulance? Like typical of my parents to ring me to call the ambulance, but I did. And mm. um, my mum went into hospital and uh, between the jigs and the reels, she had a tumour here, actually, which is quite unusual in her sinuses, uh, but it was pushing on her brain. So she had a very short um, life expectancy, like literally a few weeks. So our main focus is getting her into Marymount just to give her what we could give her at that time. But during that time, you know, I was up down to the hospital every day, obviously, and I'm spending an awful lot of time with my mom and Ned was at home with Stephen. And I was very sick one day. We actually went out one night, which sounds awful, but I had bought tickets for a gig for Christmas and I needed to go out and go mad. And we went out and I got absolutely locked, had a great night. We went to see the stunning. And the next day I was really, really sick, like really sick. And Stephen said, Jesus, it's like you're pregnant again. You know, ha ha. And... He said, would you buy a test? And I said, sure, how could I be pregnant? We can't. We just spent 20,000 euros having Ned, like. And we bought a test in Mallow and we came home. I never even tested it. I forgot about it. And the next morning, vomiting again. And he said, would you just do that test? And I did. And I was pregnant. Oh, my God. Um. So, like, to say it was a shock is an understatement. Like, we literally were just looking at each other. I said, to say, how in the name of God? And Stephen won't mind me saying this, but when we went through IVF, there was a lot of issues on his side also. You know, I suppose if it was just my side, you'd think that having a baby might have kickstarted everything or... Yes. Yeah. You know, but it was on both sides. Um. So, yeah, it was a massive shock. I actually rang the IVF clinic. Like, they were like, it's nothing to do with us. I know. We need you to know. <laughs> I didn't know to tell, you know, that feeling of... Oh, Lord, yes. Like, it was a completely different experience. Like, in fairness to them, they were so good to me. They let me go up and have a six-week scan which is really nice of them because you know that's an internal so let's yeah. let's let's just pause one second because you, you've got lightning speed i'm trying to catch up okay so you have a four month old baby you have is your mum still in marymount at this point my mum was in the hospital at that stage she was in the hospital for about three weeks and maybe marymount for two and then you find out you're pregnant naturally which you're going what the bejesus has just happened yeah 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 it what's was... go what's going on in your head Oh, listen, I, that whole time is a blur anyway. Like, um, I think I got to tell mum, which was lovely, you know. So, mm -hmm. and we actually were due to Chris and Ned at the time in Charleville, or in Ballyhay. And the priest, who's always been very good to our family up in Cork, um, and he would have had done Karen's funeral, 
I rang him and begged him, would he quiz the Ned in Quark if I could get mum there? So in fairness to CUH, mm-hmm. I'll never forget it. Like, and like looking back, I didn't fit in my dress. I should have known why, but we were allowed to, <laughs> I didn't know, like, um, we were allowed to bring mum out for the day to quiz the Ned and stuff. So I don't look back at it and, and think it's really sad. I kind of look back at it and think, you know, we got to have a fabulous day with my mum. We went to the ambassador afterwards. She had a vodka, she had a cigarette. Brilliant. We were all together. She spent time with Ned. Um, obviously, my head was all over the place. And I was also trying to run a business. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So obviously it was. But I got to tell her. And I got to have conversations. Like, I was saying to her, like, you know, if it's a girl, my sister's name was Karen. I was like, don't really want to call my child Karen. I don't know why. I obviously adored my sister. I said, you know, Jesus, like, but... So I was trying to discuss names with her. And, you know, we said if it was a girl, it would be Molly Karen. And... Like, that just means the world. I got to have that conversation, you know? And I do yeah. all think that Molly was a gift. Like, I have no yeah. more females in my life. And as mom left, sorry, no. Um, as mom left, I got to be pregnant with a little girl. You know, it was yeah. just... And actually, the day, without being so dramatic, but my mom was in Marymount. And in Maraid, my gynae in CUH um, had me in for my first scan and I left Marymount to go for my scan in the hospital which you know was very close mm. probably a five minute drive and she scanned me and said everything looks perfect Maeve and my phone rang and it was my uncle to get back to Marymount straight away and mum passed away about an hour later so wow. like I just think I could choose to be like oh poor me or I could choose to be Jesus almighty I was left with the most beautiful gift in the world like do you know yeah um, yeah I, I think the timing of everything you can't help but think that was almost meant to be. Oh no, and I do believe that. And I know some people probably think I'm absolutely crazy, but I do genuinely believe that. Like, you know, I do believe that it was meant to be. And even one girl messaged me one day on the shop page and she said she was in the waiting room in CUH the day that I ran out after my scan. And mm. she she remembers going, God, what's going on there? You know, like, and yeah, I, I kind of feel more lucky than anything else, you know? And I think in hindsight, would I have gone back and we had frozen embryos? Would I have gone back and done IVF again? I probably would have always had excuses. I would have been too busy and too much going on and going through grief. And I didn't even have a chance to think. And she's the best thing in the world. Now they're four and five or five and six. And it's the best thing ever. Yeah. You know? If I've, I don't want it to sound like I'm harping on at the negative, but I just, for other people, I know when you're going through really heavy grief and you're pregnant, it's quite a hard place to be mentally. Yeah, yeah. And I'm supposed I'm very much a person that just keep busy. Just keep busy. Yeah. Don't it, head down, get on with it. I mean, I went back to work probably three days after Karen's funeral. In hindsight, it probably wasn't the right way to deal with grief, but it's what I did. And I probably did the same at mom as well. I, I go into that coping, minding everyone, organizing everything. That's the kind of person I am. But after I had Molly about she was about four months old. I said, Stephen, I need time on my own. So I went away and did a boot camp, the Castle Thomas boot camp on my own, like didn't know anybody down there and just very much stayed away from everyone and just it was in Parkinsilla and just spent loads of time alone, I suppose, because I just had to kind of process what had happened. Um, but I think sometimes grief doesn't really process for years. No. My definitely didn't for me. I think Karen's fifth anniversary was probably... Actually, we went into Mary, my mum that day, but it was around then probably that it really hit me that Karen wasn't there. Never mind that my mum was going. Do you know? Yeah. I think it's serious, doesn't it? 
I just think it's incredibly clever. Do you know, everyone's coping mechanisms for life. Mm. You know, I mean, there's all this sort of like, I'm going to say guff because I'm not allowed to swear on our podcast, Steph says. You know, there's all this kind of like really poor advice around like, oh, why don't you, you should really sit with your feelings. And like, you know, like in the therapy world, I would always say, well, don't do that if you're not ready to. Do you know, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, like, you're ready, don't you? Yeah. And you don't know when you're going to be ready. You don't wake up and say, well, maybe in, in three days I'll be ready for that. You just yeah. know when you know and you've got to tune into your gut instinct on it. I mean, like you were a mom, you had to raise a boy, you had to be pregnant, you had to be a wife, you had to run a shop. I mean, OK, I'll just fit my grief in between half nine and ten at night then. You know, like it doesn't I work know. like that, I does it? So. I I am very lucky with Stephen, like he nearly knows by now when the outbursts are due, you know, there's a few days of cranky Mave, and then he'd say, what is wrong with you? And then the tears just come out of nowhere. Oh. And he gets that now. And even still to this day, like mum has gone now five years and Karen has gone 10 years. And to this day, I still have that overwhelming moment. Like yesterday we were going for dinner with all the cousins um, on my mum's side and the aunts. And it looked ridiculous. They're all really close friends of mine. They are the nicest people. And I was so upset yesterday morning at the thought that I was the one that didn't have a mum or sister to go with, which is childish and silly, but that's how I felt. I had to just cry it out. Yeah. And I think those moments, I think it's, I, I say to my kids, it's coming out sideways. Yeah. That's actually a lovely way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. And now I find the kids are asking more questions about them. Yeah, yeah, and and those moments can knock you sideways too, oh right? Like I, I remember my son, my dad passed away at the very start of the pandemic, and I remember my son only a week or so ago, he was having a moment, and I was like, "What's wrong with you?" And he said, "I just really miss Grumpy," yes. and you're just like, "Oof, everything straight oh, back." He's not. Uh, I was going to say he's nine. He's ten. He's ten. Yeah, it's uh, amazing, isn't it? Yeah, just suddenly a moment with that, and you know that yeah. knocked me completely sideways. Because but I do then feel as well. I get to tell them about them. I want to talk about mom and Karen. I want to tell everyone about them. They're good and they're bad, and the fights yeah. we had, and the laughs we had, and you know, because I do think there's this thing when people pass away that they're nearly, you know, I don't know what the word is, immortalized or whatever. The the people talk so highly of them for everything. Yes. Whereas Karen and I used to fight regularly, like we're you know we constantly argue over things and myself and my mum were the same and they drive me mad but I love telling Ned and Molly stories about them now and I think you get an opportunity with kids to do that do you know what you I mean? You do yeah absolutely Bethan yeah. would you just I'm just conscious of people that are listening that you know when when you are pregnant and you're going through horrendous grief that you you do worry or I know people that do worry about kind of oh god am I doing the damage to the baby you know should I be minding myself more all of that I don't know can you ask me an easier question Steph <laughs> I love landing her with so, these <laughs> do you know uh, uh, so the two the first thing I was thinking isn't it great that on a parenting podcast all three of us are like my child's nine no they're ten I mean I think that's like that's like my takeaway moment is mm. um none of us know exactly when our kids were born I, even though I we were very it's a birth I'm like oh Jesus I don't know can I do this I know it's like a trick question isn't yeah, it I, I'll you know I'll never forget going into mother care remember when they had the pixie photo yeah. thing and we were like oh we'll do it and they said what's your kid's date of birth and I was like uh, are you having a laugh <laughs> like you know um so anyway back to the question in hand it I, I don't know I mean I feel like people really overthink this stuff as well I mean like what can you do I mean so much of life is out of our control and I think this is the thing we have to surrender to is like right here right now this is what's going on this person has maybe died and I'm pregnant or this thing is going on and it's really stressful 
But I think always it's like, um, yeah, of course, babies, they're growing inside of us. They feel what we feel. There's, you know, there's so much to it. But all you can do is really look after yourself, um, you know, and, and it's like not good or bad. It just is what it is. Yeah. You know? Do you find people shy away from talking about your sister? You yeah, know. you the first year people cross the road, like, to dock you, you know what I mean? And oh. I, until you lose someone, and you know this, girls, is that, like, you really appreciate the people that make an effort, you know? And you see who's at the funeral, and you you know who's been in contact and everything. And I think you realise the importance of that when you have lost somebody. But also, everyone's there at the start. Everyone is there the first week or two. Everyone's around you. Everyone's worried about you. It's six, eight months three years on when their life is normal and your life is still feels like you've been ripped apart and you're missing a limb they, that's when you need to be there for people do you know what I mean so you yeah. need to be consistent you need to be there you need to let them know you're there without annoying them and you need to talk about the people they lost do you know yeah. what I mean like because we want them to live on in us do you know what I mean and it's like yeah. like Karen and my mum were a huge part of who I am so it's very important for me to discuss them you know and talk about them and I think and, people can avoid that, but I personally don't think they should. Yeah. And can I ask you guys something? I mean, we can edit this bit out if you don't want to say it, if you don't want to say it. Um, right. But do you ever dream about them? Because I love stroke, get really upset. Like I was really close to my Nana. Like I'm from a really small family. My mom and dad are both only children. Yes. So I have no cousins or aunts or uncles. There's me and my dad and my brother. Wow. And that's it. You know, and um, so I love when I dream of my Nana and I can smell her again and I can see like her nail pot. Um, my friend's mom died when I was 13 and I can see like her, when I dream of her, I can see her nail polish. And sometimes I go on these big adventures with my Nan and it's wow. so lovely. But I wake up really sad then because you're like, oh, that wasn't real. But do you guys ever dream about people that have died? Yeah, I do. Definitely. I'm not as vivid as that. But it definitely and it doesn't happen all the time. I mean, it might happen yeah. once every few years, and I'll be like, "Oh my god, it's still there." You know, it's. I wish it was every night. Although I'd be like a hot mess or just a mess. <laughs> maybe, maybe not even hot, just a mess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but has it happened to you as well, then, Steph? Yeah, I've definitely had dreams. Nothing that vivid. I think I'd quite like to have something that vivid. I tell you what does happen for me: um, random memories pop up. You know, stuff you think you've forgotten about for years. And that might be a smell or something that you see or something that you hear and you're like, oh, I've forgotten that happened. And it could be a childhood memory or, you know, and then you, I love kind of sitting in that and kind of just remembering that, oh, God, yeah, I'd completely forgotten about that. Yeah. I don't ever remember my dreams, being honest. I don't think I've ever had a dream that I've remembered in the morning, genuinely. Really? Ever, no. No, and also... I know when the kids tell me about their dreams at nighttime, I'm like, tell me what you dreamt about because oh. obviously but and I love that but I don't know no obviously oh but I talk to them all day long I literally go around the house saying if I'm looking for a parking space I'm like Karen come on now I'm under pressure <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? like, the amount of things I ask them for I'd say they're like would you one go away but I just talk to them all day long every day like I do like I don't know, it might sound crazy but I do and I think because you know at the age I was when they passed I was you know in my adulthood that I can assess what they'd say back to me and I nearly work off that advice. Does that make sense? Well, that's oh, lovely. Yeah. That's a nice, that's a nice thing to have. Like my mom always said, pick your battles. And sometimes mm -hmm. I'm at home and I'm like, 
have stayed in the house. Sorry, I'm not allowed to swear. Yeah, well, 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 at least you did it first, <laughs> not me. Jesus Christ, you give me a bit well, of a reprieve. Like, freak out over something in the kitchen, like a knife with jam on it. And then I look and Stephen might have a stew on in the slow cooker for the whole family. And I'm like, pick your battles now, pick your battles. Do you know? So yeah. I think in that way, they're in my head all the time. Can, can we rewind a little bit? Because um, I think you said something really important, Maeve. So you said, you know, when we were talking about how people respond to you after the grief and some people cross the road and then, you know, a few years on, you're still torn apart by the grief and that's when you need people. Like, I guess from a practical perspective, because I see people almost jumping in too much you know almost being too okay with people's grief hi I'm here to help what you need you know so it is this fine mysterious balance like what is it that say maybe you don't have to say what you needed if you don't want to but what but you know like what can we do to help people who've experienced a grief do you think I think it's just a lovely thing to pick up the phone to your friend who might have lost someone two years ago and be like how are you doing how are you not how are the kids not how's work not how's Stephen how are you? It's such a simple question that we just don't allow. Like, I'll give you an example. I met somebody yesterday and I just, I don't want to say who it was, but she had lost her mom and her dad in the last couple of years. And I just said, how are you? And she said, I'm okay. And I was like, I respect you so much for not going, oh, I'm grand, yeah, everything's great. Yeah. Like, but you know what? She's not 100%, but she's doing okay. And I think there's so much in that, you know, just asking somebody how they are without, you don't have to be too, um, forceful or anything but I just think like one of my best friends Lisa we just have a thing where we talk every Sunday morning at about eight or nine o'clock on the phone and I couldn't count on my hands the number of times I've broken into tears over the years and for no reason but in the context of our conversation she'll mention Karen and my mom are because we're so close she's okay with saying something like my mom and I are going to dinner tomorrow and I might get upset and it's not that I'm jealous but I'm like that's amazing do you know yeah I just think keeping that up and keeping that kind of a chat yeah and that vent you know yeah. to be able to have that little vent because I think sometimes especially as a busy working mum you don't give yourself the chance sometimes yeah. I remember talking to a counsellor only recently and I was saying about my dad and she said geez that's so recent and I, I burst into tears because it was like yeah it is you know it's it's three years it feels like yesterday now that you've said it but like in day-to-day -day life you just keep going just keep swimming just keep swimming you know you just you just I don't know as women I think sometimes we have that inbuilt in us that we have to keep going yeah and I think before you lose somebody like before I ever lost mom or Karen if I met one of you and you said you know I lost my mom 10 years ago I'd be like all right like I would have been yeah. I would have been rent. do you know yeah Whereas now I'm like whoa, whoa, whoa Jesus like are you okay do you know it's I don't mean in a bad way, but I do think it's almost something that you have to experience to understand and no one wants to experience it. You know, it's a club you don't want to be a part of, but once you are, you do understand. Yeah, I That's completely agree with that. Be there for people, I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think it's valuable what you've said, the fact that to keep mentioning, I think people do shy away from, they, they think, oh God, I daren't. I daren't yeah. say that. Whereas yeah. I think it, you're right, it's important. It is important just to keep talking. Like, and yeah, like just like I said, just asking people how they are. It's such a simple thing. Yeah. And in those in those early days, so, you know, you go on to have lovely Molly, who you've now got a clothing range named after, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. My um, brand, as she says, my brand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. she's going to have awful notions when she's about 14, she 15. She already has and she's five. <laughs> We're in trouble here, lads. Let's not lie. <laughs> Yeah, I've got my own clothing line. <laughs> I 
I can see it now. Um, those early days when you said you kind of plowed on and kept busy, what really helped you then? Do you know what? Like, what helped me then? I suppose I have really close relationships. Like, I, I probably sacrificed a lot of friendships not really close friendships for the people that are unbelievably important to me like my dad and I are inseparable like I adore him and Stephen is the same with me and a couple of my friends and just I suppose god I'm still friendly with everybody but realizing that I just needed that really core little group and really focusing on them is what helped me spending time with them and and I know it sounds as you've said Bethan there's no right or wrong keeping busy is what helped me that's that's who I am that's how I cope I'm I work better under stress I I like when I'm near a deadline that's the kind of person I am and that's how I cope you know it is and you know what everyone gives out about social media and all the rest of it but I I suppose because Karen passed away within six months of opening the shop I had to say why I wasn't there you know, it was Facebook at the time, but I had been there every day. And all of a sudden, my mother-in-law was working in the shop and I was trying to find someone to work there. And so I kind of was very open from that point on about my personal life in my business. And then we went on to fundraise from Marymount and stuff and I had to explain why and all the rest of it. But, and then, you know, when I did IVF and Ned and it worked, I just felt like I had no one in my life that had gone through IVF. That I, I actually, that's not true. I did have somebody who I relied on heavily. For advice and I think I was like I'm going to talk about this because I wish I had more people talk about it so in a weird way me talking through things on social media was a huge help to me yeah you know so it like and not even necessarily the feedback from people I think but just the words coming out of my mouth was a huge help to me do you know so yeah I think social media did help me it's lovely isn't it but it's so lovely that in this world we live in there's so many creative ways to be okay yeah you yeah. know and, and just to be you like be that busy person who works for you in your life yeah you know yeah. like be yeah. being you is enough to get you through and actually realizing the moment that you did need to be alone actually realizing you know when you took yourself off to do boot camp of all things like god <laughs> maybe you could have done a yoga retreat or gone to I the sea recently i did a yoga retreat recently i very much need time on my own though and i recognize that like i need more like because everyone thinks he's Instagram Maeve and she's, you know, all friendly and bubbly. And I have to have time on my own. Even my mm. own friends would say, if we're away on a home weekend or something in the airport, I'm like, I'm just going to head away for a cup on my own. I, I need to be in my own thoughts sometimes. Yeah, um, yeah me I'm, too. I love alone time. I went to the Cliffs of Moher retreat two weeks ago. <gasps> oh, lovely. For a weekend all on my own. And it was just, it was heaven. Absolute heaven. It oh, really that sounds was. divine. Yeah, absolutely heaven. Like, yeah, I think I'm getting... I'm getting to the point that I can't even have the radio on in the car because I, I just yeah it's just too much I just realized I've one earring in that would just sum up my life <laughs> <laughs> and on that note <laughs> on that note thank you so much for joining thank us today you. we thank really appreciate so it I really enjoyed the chat thank you so much this podcast is sponsored by the club women's network it can be lonely working for yourself, so this online support and learning network is here to help women learn what they need to know to stay in business. They meet online twice a month and in-person meetups too. They teach you everything from reels to financial forecasting. For more information, check out theclubwomensnetwork.com. 
The Calm Parenting Community is my online support for parents. It's waitlist free and inside is myself and a child and family therapist. So together we offer you 42 years experience helping children and family to solve your parenting problems. If you want to join us, head to my website, bethanoreardon.com and be the change your children need.